0: Good morning. morning. My name is Michael Fay. I am the missions pastor here at McDowell Mountain Community Church, and I am so excited to be with you this morning and to kick off our new series called 31 Kings. Now, Joe mentioned earlier that this series is about the book of Joshua, so you may be wondering, 31 Kings, what does that have anything to do with the book of Joshua? Well, to give you a little bit of a setting for the book of Joshua, uh, God has just put Joshua as leader of the Israelites. And he has called them to move into a land that he has promised them, cleverly named the promised land. Now the problem with what's going on is that there's already people who are inhabiting this land. There's already people there. In fact, there are 31 kings, comprising 31 kingdoms of people in this land. And so as Joshua and the Israelites are going to begin moving into this land, they are going to encounter some struggles, some conflict, before they can fully seize the land that God has promised them. Now, in the same way, we believe as a church that God has made a promise to each and every one of us. And it does not involve literal, physical land, but that it's a promise that is made to us through his son Jesus, that we may begin to experience life to the full. And that's an invitation to all of us. It's this promise made to us by God through Jesus. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at the life of Joshua to understand how did he overcome conflict and struggles to fully seize the land that God had promised to him. And at the same time, how do we fully seize the promise that God has given to us in his son, Jesus, that we would experience life to the full? to overcome the conflict and the struggles that stand in our way from fully embracing and seizing the promise that God has made to us through his son, Jesus. And so I'm so excited to uh, kick off this series and start this series. But before we dive into scripture, I wanna tell you a story. About 12 and a half years ago, I was 20 years old. I was home from college, just finishing my sophomore year and I was hanging out at my friend Jared Doe's house. We were watching a baseball game, it was a summer afternoon. And Jared's dad is Don Doe. He's the founding pastor of this church. Some of you got to meet him and hear him speak last week at our 20th anniversary service. And Don came in the room and he said to me and Jared, "What do you guys think about speaking for me on a Sunday morning uh, at church?" And I remember looking. I'm like, "What?" He said, "Yo, I, you know, I need someone. I, I, I need. To, I want to take a week off, and I think it'd be a great opportunity for you guys to speak." And I, I said, like a sermon, like like to adults, like in in big church? And he was like, yes, like a sermon to adults in big church. And for some reason, I said, yeah, that sounds fun. (laughs) And so I went to task with with Jared, one of my best friends, to begin to put together a sermon. And so we began praying. We began reading our Bibles more than we were currently at that point doing. We began writing And we began praying and reading our Bibles and writing and then scrapping everything we wrote to start again because what we had was not good. And then we were really praying. We were really reading our Bibles. We were really writing. We put together something that maybe had some semblance of a sermon. And I'll never forget, it was July 13th, 2003, and me and my friend Jared stood on a small little platform at the front of Desert Mountain High School's auditorium, and we shared our first sermon uh, and some of you may have been in that room who've been coming for that long. And you were so gracious and told me that it was good, and it probably wasn't. I appreciate that. I remember that um, we had a friend from high school come that day, and after the service, I went over to him and I was like, So how was it? He's like, It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, Awesome. That like, I, I was like a huge like, compliment. And uh, I was so excited because in, in that day, if you missed the sermon, You couldn't go online to hear the sermon. You had to go to a table in our lobby where we had... I mean, McDowell was at the forefront of technology. I mean, we really were. We had cassette tapes. (laughs) Like, not even compact discs, CDs, we had cassette tapes. And so I got so excited because like the week after, you could go over to the table, you could find the previous weeks and like other weeks sermons on cassette tape and you could take it. And maybe you wanna to listen to it again, maybe you wanna give it to a family member or a friend or something to hear. So I was like, I'm gonna go get the tape with my name on it that says like I spoke a sermon, it's gonna be so cool. And so I go over to the table, I'm like searching through the tapes, Dondo, 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 Dondo. Okay, where's Michael? I finally found it, and I pull it up and I look at it. Uh, My dad has the tape for me. Thanks, Dad. So So this is the exact tape. Now, you can see a picture of this tape up on the screen right now. So you can see instruction, inspiration, Gerard Doe and Mike Fahey. (laughs) Mike Fahey. I remember looking at that going, are you kidding me? I I secretly thought it was Don Doe, like, back there, like, laughing, like, I'm going to keep him humble for for a while here. Gerard. Like, that. That's Don's own son. His name is spelled wrong. Gerardo and Mike Fahey. And I remember like, being like, oh, are you gi-? I mean, McDowell has come such a long way in 12 and a half years that we spell people's names right, and we don't use cassette tapes anymore. But I, I have this tape, and I, my, my mom and dad found this tape in some box that we had, and it reminds me of that, that morning when I for the first time, stood next to my friend, and we gave a sermon. F- I fumbled my way through a sermon, much like I'm probably doing this morning. And I thought to myself, what an interesting experience. I'm glad I did that, because that'll be a good story to tell my kids someday, because I am sure not going to do that again. <laughs> and now I find myself, 12 and a half years later, giving a sermon as a pastor on staff here, for the last time as a, as a pastor on staff here at McDowell Mountain Community Church. I think about how me and my wife are preparing to plant a church. Twelve and a half years ago, I would have thought, I'm not doing that again. And yet God has used these moments and these experiences to lead me to a place in my life. Kind of a a fork in the road, a a turning point, the precipice of something new. And I think the same is true for Joshua, Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, he finds himself at this turning point. And so what I want to do today is, is to jump into the book of Joshua to understand who Joshua is and what Joshua and the Israelites are facing in the first chapter of the book. So let's pray and invite God to speak to us this morning, and then we'll jump into Scripture. God, thank you for the ability to gather around your word and your truth. This morning, God, I I pray that we would open our hearts, open our eyes and ears to see and to hear your truth this morning. I pray that we would be open to let it penetrate our hearts. God, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I think in order to understand Joshua and what's going on in Joshua chapter 1, we have to look a little bit further back. And so what I want to do is go to a story that I think helps us understand who Joshua is, and it's found in the book of Numbers chapter 13. The book of Numbers is the fourth book in the the Bible, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can do so, or you can follow along on the screen. Numbers chapter 13. So just to give you some context, God has rescued the Israelites from Egypt, We've all seen the movie. Charlton Heston says, let my people go to Pharaoh. They cross the Red Sea on dry land, the whole bit. They walk to the other side. It's awesome. They've been wandering around the wilderness for a while, and we find this part of the story in Numbers chapter 13, where God says this to Moses, verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So I'm going to stop right there. So God says, Moses, I want you to put together a group of 12 men. And they're going to be spies. And you're going to send them out into this land of Canaan. It's the land that I'm going to give to you, the promised land. And I want those 12 men to go into the promised land and survey the area. See what's there. See the cities that are already built there. See how good the soil is. Is it producing fruit? Are the crops producing fruit? I want them to see how good it is, and I want them to spend some time there and then come back and report to you what they've seen. And so they do that. They go, they're gone for 40 days. Verse 26, they came back to Moses. Now, by the way, one of the 12 spies that is sent is a man named Joshua. Joshua and another man named Caleb. Those are important men to remember. Uh, as the story progresses. So Joshua and Caleb and then 10 other men go to spy the land. They come back, verse 26, to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. So when you hear that phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey, that's a Jewish idiom. That basically means this land was plentiful and bountiful. It is a good land to be in. So they say, yes, this land flows with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They show some fruit. It produces crops. It's wonderful. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. These ten of the twelve spies come back and they say, Moses, listen, the land is good. It would be awesome to live there, but here's the thing. There's people who already live there, and they're strong, and their cities are well protected. I know God says that, that we are to live there, but I, I, we really don't think it's possible. I think we're going to get slaughtered. So that was a great hope, uh, but, but it's not for us. Now, while the 10 are sharing this account, Caleb stands up, and says, we should go and take possession of the land. We can certainly conquer it. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Caleb is like, no, 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 we can do this. Let's go do this. To which all the 10 spies over here are saying, Caleb, are you crazy? We're gonna get slaughtered out there. God has just rescued us from slavery in Egypt and now he's gonna rescue us so that we can go get murdered in war with these kingdoms that are way stronger than us. There's no way we can overcome these kingdoms. I know God said we can do it, but there is no way. And so those ten spies begin to go out to all the people in Israel and begin to spread rumors about how uh, how difficult it would be to overcome these kingdoms. And the people begin to grumble and they begin to complain and they say, "God, why did you lead us? We should have stayed in Egypt as slaves because now you're just going to lead us out here and we're going to get destroyed. Why would you do this?" And it's chaos. But then someone stands up. Joshua. Stands up. Let me go to the next slide. Joshua says, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a, a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Next slide. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. And this is the most important part. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So Joshua stands up and he says, listen, God has said that that land is ours. And if God says it's ours, then it's ours. And So we, we, we don't need to be afraid because God is on our side and we can go and God will be with us. Now God hears this and he hears Caleb and he's He's. Pleased with Caleb and Joshua's faithfulness. At the same time, he hears the ten spies that are unfaithful and don't believe that God will give them the land. And he hears the grumbling of all the Israelites. And because of this, God allows the Israelites to continue wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. I mean, can you imagine you're wandering, God's like, okay, here's the land, go, go look at it, and you go look at it, and you're like, I'm ready to do it. And then God's like, you know, you know, a bunch of you aren't ready, so you're gonna keep wandering. And so they wander for 40 years, which leads us right up to Joshua chapter one. And here's where we are in Joshua chapter one. They've been wandering for 40 years. 10 of the 12 spies, the other spies other than Joshua and Caleb have all passed away. Moses has passed away. And now God has said, Joshua, you are the new leader. And they find themselves at the bank of the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is significant because it is the border before they cross into the promised land. And so I want you to imagine with me Joshua standing with all of the Israelites at, at the banks of the Jordan River looking across at the land that God is saying, this is for you. I mean, can you imagine wandering for 40 years? Joshua and the Israelites are tired, and they are weary, and I'm wondering if Joshua was thinking to himself, I wonder if this day will ever come, if we'll ever make it to the promised land. And now they are here, and they're on the banks of the river, and God says, see that land, it's for you. So Joshua chapter one, it says this. Moses, verse two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Cross over into this promised land. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. So God says, wherever you step your feet, Joshua, That land is yours. I'm giving it to you today. Now, I want to stop right there. One thing that I love about Scripture is that these stories can take place thousands of years ago. In fact, some theologians think this story took place about 3,500 years ago. That stories hundreds or maybe even thousands of years before us can still have truth and relevance and something for us to learn from thousands of years in the future that a story that took place 3,500 years ago is still relevant to us here in Scottsdale, Arizona in 2015. I think that's unbelievable. And so what I want us to do and understand with with this story is that God has promised this land to the Israelites. And he's telling Joshua, I want you to get ready to cross the land and take hold of the land that I promised to you. At the same time, for all of us, as we talked about earlier We have a promise from God. It's not physical land, but it's a promise made to us through his son Jesus that we can find in John chapter 10. Here's the promise that God makes to us through his son Jesus. Jesus says this to the people, I have come that they, meaning all of us, would have life to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Maybe another way of saying it is, I have come that they may have life, a life that I intended for them to have, the life that God would have for them. That's the promise that God makes to each and every one of us here. It's not a, a tangible, physical land like it was for the Israelites. It's this gift of life to the full through Jesus Christ. Now, If you're honest, and you've come into this place this morning, and and I would ask you to think about your life, all the areas and facets of your life. If you're like me, you look at your life, and if you're honest, you'd say, there's parts of my life that I would perhaps say I'm not living life to the full. Maybe in certain areas, I feel like, like, in that area of my life, I'm thriving and I'm enjoying it. But this aspect of my life right here, I, I would say I'm not experiencing life to the full. Maybe for some of you, it's your marriage. In, in your marriage, there's, there's some conflict and there's some issues. And so when you survey the landscape of your life, you identify that, you know, I, I don't think I'm experiencing life to the full in that aspect of my life. I don't think I'm experiencing a marriage that God would intend for me to experience, a marriage that is thriving and is abundant in life. Maybe for some of you, you've come in today and the area of your life that you would identify as being one that is not a life to the full, you're not experiencing life to the full, is maybe in your job, in your career. You would say, you know, Michael, I sit at my desk and I think to myself, is this what God intends for me? I don't know. Maybe for you, you've come in today and you have uh, an addiction. You have something that 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 is taking hold of your life, and it's not letting you go. And because of it, you know that you are not experiencing life to the full. Because this addiction is ravaging your life, and it's got a hold on you. I don't know what. Facet of your life, you would say that you're not experiencing life to the full, but here's something I want to propose to you this morning. You and I have the opportunity at any moment to begin to take steps to cross our own Jordan River, to begin to seize the promise that is given to us through Jesus to find life to the full. In every area of our life, in our marriages, in our relationships, with our children, in our jobs, in the way that we see ourselves and in our identity, to find freedom from addiction. This promise was given to us through Jesus, and you and I have the opportunity to seize it. Some of you are thinking, Michael, that sounds great. That sounds great. I want to do that. I want to experience life to the full in my marriage and in my job. How do I do that? Let's keep looking at Joshua. Let's keep going. God says to Joshua, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. It's gonna extend a long ways. He says, wherever you set your foot, I'm giving you that land. Verse five, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you would be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And then God says it again, like, Have I not commanded you? What did I forget? Be strong and courageous. Do we hear a theme here? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Michael, how does that help me begin to find life to the full? Well, The first thing I want to acknowledge about this story is that Joshua is standing at the banks of this Jordan River. He's looking across at this land that God has promised to him. And what we know about Joshua, as we talked about that story from the book of Numbers, he's been in the land. He has seen the kingdoms that are going to be against him. He knows the challenges that lie ahead. And 40 years ago, when he came back after reporting, he said to all the people, we can do it. God is on our side. If God says that's our land, it's our land. Let's go do it. Now fast forward 40 years in the future, and he's standing there getting ready to do it, and all the people are like, let's do it, Joshua. And he's like yeah, uh, I know I was really brave back then, but now we're actually getting ready to do it, and I'm scared. Michael, how do you know that Joshua's scared? Here's the thing. If someone says to me, like over and over, Michael, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, chances are the reason they're saying that is because when they look at me, I might have fear on my face. I think God told Joshua over and over, do not, when we read this passage, it's, it's four times. Be strong and courageous. Again, be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Why? Because it's difficult. What we know about the, the story of Joshua and the Israelites going to seize the promised land is that there were 31 kings standing in their way. There was conflict and struggle and strife, and it was not all easy for them. It was difficult. And here's the truth for us today. Perhaps uh, when I asked you to think about your life, you identified part of your life, and so you, you visually just envision yourself, you're standing at the, the banks of your own Jordan River, and you're looking ahead and you said, I know that God has life to the full for me in my marriage, but Michael, here's the deal. I'm scared to begin that process. I'm scared to take steps towards finding life to the full in my marriage because that could open up a whole conversation that I'm not ready to, to, to have. I don't know what will happen if I begin to tell my spouse that we need to take steps to fix our marriage. I don't know how he or she will react. That might raise up all these old issues and these old, these old hurts and these old pains, and I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that. I'm afraid. Perhaps you've come in here and you identify that there's, there's something that you have in your life, an addiction that is, has its hold on you. And so you're like, Michael, I know that sounds really good. I, I, I want to experience life to the full, but here's the thing about my, about my addiction. I'm afraid to tell anybody about it because that could ruin our relationship. That could change the way people see me and that's, that's a risk I'm not willing to take. That's a challenge that's scary to me. And so I'm just going to stand here on the banks of my Jordan River. I know the promised land is great and all, but the mediocre banks of the Jordan River are fine by me. First thing I want to acknowledge is it's hard to begin to take steps into seizing the promise that God has given us in his son Jesus to experience life to the full is not easy I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Jesus, after that, it has not all been roses. There's been challenges, and difficulties, and conflicts. I think God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, because he knows that's what it will take strength and courage. That's why our series is a story of strength and courage, because that's what it takes. So, 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 Michael, how do we do this? How do I begin? Okay, I know it's scary, but I really want to do this. Where do I begin? How do I take my first step? I think there's two things that we can notice from this passage. Two things. The first one is found in verse 7 of chapter 1. God says this to Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The first thing God tells them to do before they begin taking steps into the promised land is to keep His word and His truth at the forefront of everything they do. For us, now, Today, what that means is for us to seek Jesus. If we want to begin experiencing life to the full, it begins by starting to seek Jesus. What does that mean? Maybe today it means that you begin with a prayer, God, I want to experience life to the full in my marriage or in my job or in my personal life, maybe for all of those things. I want to experience life to the full. And so, God, I want to seek you and who you are and who you have created me to be. Maybe seeking Jesus means that you read the Bible. Maybe it means that you join a community of people who are seeking Jesus. The fact that you are in church today is a great start. It begins with seeking Jesus. Life to the full is found in seeking Jesus. The second thing I think it's important for us to take away from this passage is this. If you're reading through uh, the first nine verses of chapter one, God says something over and over. He tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, but he also says something else four times. He says this in verse five. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. Verse nine, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. You are not alone. I will go before you, I will never leave you. When we look at the Bible, there's this promise that's made over and over through the scriptures. It was made to Abraham. God says, I will be with you. He tells Isaac, I will be with you. He tells Moses, I will be with you. He tells Joshua, I will be with you. He tells the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, over and over, I will be with you. When Mary is pregnant with Jesus, the angel of the Lord says, I will be with you. And when Jesus goes to depart his disciples to ascend to heaven, he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. It's this message. It's as if God wants us to understand this. If you hear something over and over, maybe it's important. God's telling us, I will be with you. Here's the deal. Taking steps towards seizing the promise that you would find life to the full in Jesus. Taking those steps is difficult. Perhaps if you're dealing with an addiction, taking a step to finding freedom from that addiction may be extremely difficult. In fact, I would... Guarantee it would be extremely difficult. But here's the thing I want you to know, something that God is saying to us this morning, is that you are not alone in the process. I am with you. I will go before you. I will never leave you. Michael, I, I don't know how we can begin to take steps in, in our marriage to heal some of the pain, to have hard conversations. I don't, I don't know if I'm up for that. Here's the, here's the truth. God says, I am with you in that process. I'm with you. You are not alone. I'm with you. For Christy and I, uh, we're getting ready to to plant this church. And when this thought to go plant this church um, came to us 18 months ago, at first it was exciting, and then it quickly got really terrifying, if (laughs) if I'm honest with you. Because all of a sudden you start asking those questions of, oh, what if it fails? What if, what if I'm not good at preaching, and people don't like it, and they don't come? What if, what if the church fails? What, why would I leave something that's safe, something that's home to me, something I love dearly, the people? and a, a, a people who have become like family to me. Why would I do this? And there was this promise from God, Now I have something for you over here. And that, that's good. Life's good here, but I want, I'm calling you into this. Yeah, but God, that's scary. God's been telling me and Christy over and over, I know, and it's risky, and there's gonna be conflict, and there's gonna be difficulties and challenges to overcome but it's worth it, and I'm with you. That's, that's, that's something that me and Christy have been hanging on to through this process. I'm with you. You are not alone in this. You are not alone. Here's the truth for this morning. Here's the truth. Taking steps towards seizing the promise of life to the full in Jesus Christ is difficult and it's challenging, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And it's challenging. And I want you to know this morning that God is with you in the process. And it's worth it. The band's gonna come back up and, and lead us in a final song. I don't wanna close with this this morning. Right. A challenge for you. In the book of Joshua, uh, the beginning right here in this, in this passage, he tells, God tells Joshua, I am giving you every land that your foot steps on. Every step that you take, that land is yours. And I'm with you on every step. Every step is a reminder of this promise that you are taking hold of. This morning, I wanna encourage you to take one step. Just one step. To start taking a step towards seizing the promise that you would experience life to the full in whatever facet of life you, you right now are desiring that God would, would just come and be a part of. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe for you and your marriage, one step that you could take this morning is having a conversation with your spouse. It's, it's not like it should be, should it? What can we do to begin to experience life to the full together? Maybe you've come in this morning and you have this this addiction in your life that nobody knows about, and maybe the first step that you take is sharing it with someone, saying, I have this struggle. But Michael, you don't, I I can't do that because that might change the way people feel about me and it could harm me. It's worth it. It's your first step towards seizing the promise that God has made to us in Jesus that you would find life to the full. I don't know what your promised land looks like, I don't know what your first step looks like for whatever facet of life that you are desiring this this promise. But I would encourage you today to take your first step. We have candles in the back. We We want to encourage you to respond this morning. Maybe you want to light a candle. Light in the Bible always represents God's presence. So maybe you want to light a candle inviting God to remind you that he is with you in this process, that you are not alone. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe uh, you want to write a, a note, uh, post it on the cross. Maybe today you want to write, God, today I'm taking my first steps to find life to the full by fill in the blank. God, today I'm taking my first steps to finding life in, to the full in you by telling someone about what I'm addicted to, by having a conversation with my spouse by praying and asking you, God, I have these feelings about what I'm doing with my life and with my work. What do they mean? Help me understand this. God, help me with my relationship with my kids. Help me with my relationship with my friends. God, help me experience life to the full in every facet of who I am. We want to encourage you to take that step this morning. We also have communion this morning. Here at MMCC, we practice open communion. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we want to invite you to come and partake of the bread and the juice. The bread represents God's body, Jesus' body broken for you. The juice represents his blood poured out for you that you may begin to experience life to the full. Would you stand with me as we close in worship? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your truth. I thank you that you are a God that is near to us, that you never leave us or forsake us. That although the journey can be difficult, although Joshua knew that crossing the river would be a challenge, that seizing the promised land would have its obstacles and challenges ahead, God, he knew it was worth it. And he knew that he wasn't alone in the process. God, would you remind us of that this morning? That taking steps to experiencing life to the full in you will be challenging. And it will be difficult. But you are with us. And we are not alone in the process. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son who makes this possible for us. We love you. We pray these things in your holy and precious name, amen.